Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who was the 13th overall pick of the Minnesota North Stars in the 1984 NHL Draft. Instead of turning pro immediately after being drafted, he instead opted to play collegiately for Boston University. After his junior season, he tried out for the 1988 U.S. Olympic team. However, during his tryout, he was diagnosed with hemophilia B, also known as Christmas disease, a rare disorder which prevents blood from clotting properly. He would, however, stay in the game as a coach, which included being named the 11th head coach of his alma mater, Boston University, replacing the legendary Jack Parker, where he compiled an impressive 105-69-21 and and record, which included a national championship as well as conference championships. He left BU to become the head coach of the New York Rangers during their rebuild. In three seasons, he also compiled a winning record, despite having one of the youngest teams in the NHL. On December 27th, he was named the head coach of the U.S. Olympic hockey team that will be headed to Beijing to compete for a gold medal. It is a pleasure to welcome back David Quinn to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Coach. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. So, you know, I guess after being a head coach in the NHL during the COVID-19 pandemic, you've learned to adapt rapidly, changing, you know, events in a hurry. But I still have to imagine that getting ready to be an assistant on Mike Sullivan's coaching staff for the U.S. team, made up of NHL players at the upcoming Winter Olympics, and then having to pivot to be the head coach with mostly college athletes just 45 days prior to the first game has to have a lot of challenges. What was the greatest challenge, you know, first when you found out and and to date? Well, obviously we had to change gears in a hurry. You know, the good news is that obviously you prepare for the unexpected in these these times. Obviously COVID has thrown a curveball to all of us, no matter what profession you're in. And, you know, when I was asked to be the assistant coach in the summer, uh, John Van Beesbrook and I had a conversation that if for some reason the NHL doesn't want doesn't allow the players to go, uh, would I want to be the head coach? And I said, absolutely. If I wasn't employed, I'd love to be the head coach. So, and, you know, leading into the final decision, you heard rumblings and there were indications that the NHL guys weren't going to go. So we kind of started preparing for it a little bit. But, you know, i got to give, you know, USA Hockey and John Van Beesbrook and Mark Boxer a ton of credit because we switched gears in a hurry. And uh, they did a heck of a job in a short period of time of, you know, identifying the player pool. And for us to uh, put this team together, we feel so good about it. Uh, and there was a lot of work put into it. It was only three weeks. It felt like a lot longer than that. But um, like, I, like you touched on, I mean, you know, in this day and age, you got to adapt. you got to adjust. And, uh, you know, we certainly did. You know, the, the growth and development of USA Hockey probably can be traced back to one of the greatest Olympic stories ever. And that, of course, I'm talking about the Miracle on Ice 1980 U.S. gold medal team in that one in Lake Placid. Interestingly enough, was the last gold medal. What impact did that team have on you? And can you share with our audience who you watched that magic moment with? <coughs> well, funny, I was, uh, you know, I was 14 years old and uh, former Islander coach Jack Capuano and I, I Grew up about a mile from each other, were great friends growing up, played youth hockey together. And I actually watched that game at his house. And, you know, when that happened, uh, from there on in, I think anybody who played hockey in America wanted to be an Olympian in some capacity. And that certainly was a goal of mine. 
Uh, that was what was so disappointing in 88. And, uh, you know, it just really changed hockey in America forever. And, you know, we will forever be indebted to that team. American hockey will. It's come so far since then. And uh, but as I jokingly said to Mike Ruzione, I think we need to win a gold medal because people are tired of hearing from you. So hopefully, hopefully we can we can. Mike said, "Hey, I hope you do win." I'm tired of talking. So hopefully we can uh, go over there and achieve that the ultimate goal. As I sit here in my Mike Ruzioni jersey, no less. Yeah. Uh, so you look at that team, and so much was written about movies, documentaries as well. And the central theme is the way Herb got that group together. Um, he made. Pretty much all of them have a universal dislike for him. He pushed all the right buttons. But he also had that luxury of that full slate of exhibition games and travel, which allowed the team to bond. Which is the biggest challenge you face in a COVID world, trying to get these guys to bond in such a short period of time? Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to have similar challenges in this tournament. Ours may be a little bit greater because uh, a lot of these teams have played together before on national teams. A lot of the European teams are drawing players from their pro leagues, which they've done in the past. So our challenges may be a little bit different. But that being said, uh, we feel very confident in the group we have from a, from a player standpoint, the staff standpoint, that we've got an awful lot of experience in international hockey. All the coaches have coached in world championships or world juniors or you know, Scott Young's played in three Olympics. So I think we've got a pretty good feel of what it's going to take to accelerate that bonding process and bringing our group together, as do the players. A lot of them have played international competition. So I think there is uh, something all of us can draw from in the past that will allow us to do that. So there's tremendous irony in this as well, because you were going to be an assistant coach on the team with a lot of NHL players with tons of experience. I remember asking you, you know, when you hear with the Rangers about your teams at BU or the Rangers always being the youngest team, and you said, yeah, maybe one day you're going to get a chance to coach an experienced group. Well, that, that's not happening this month. Uh, this well, roster is mostly college kids, prospects. The average age is 25. At least at BU or with the Rangers, you had some time to shape an identity. Do you have a, a finger on the pulse of what you think the identity of this team will be going in? Well, when we, when we had to change gears, John and I talked and he asked what type of team would I want. I said, well, you know, we're going to have to put together the best team from the group that we have to draw from. So it was clear to us early on that it looked like speed was going to be the way we were going to go because we weren't going to be a big, heavy team. So you know, that was certainly part of the makeup when we were identifying which players we were going to, you know, we were going to pick. And obviously the makeup, too, was a 200-foot player and the personalities uh, weighed in it, into it, into the decision-making process. So that's kind of how the team's been built. That's how we plan on playing. You know, in, internationally, you most recently coached for the U.S. as an assistant at the 2016 World Championships. Also was on staff for that tournament in 2007-2012. Also, you know, after the pours, there was like a, a play-in type tournament. How does playing a tournament differ, you know, as far as mindset, you know, from game one, the, from when that puck drops, when that tournament starts, as opposed to a regular college season? Well, obviously every game's more important and, you know, the way this tournament's structured, you don't have a lot of time for mulligans, that's for sure. And we certainly understand that. And we're going to do everything we can to be fully prepared for the first game against China. Um, you know, we're hopefully going to be able to skate in L.A. when we get out there next weekend. That's part of the plan. But, you know, we want to make sure we're in a good environment, a safe environment, that we 
we will be able to practice and not put anybody in harm's way where we're going to be exposed to COVID because our health is uh, first and foremost a priority before we get into that bubble in China. It's also interesting because there's some guys you have familiarity with. You coached David uh, Warsawski at BU, Stephen Kampfer here a little bit with the Rangers. You coached against Nick Shore, Kenny Agostino, and Andy Mealy, and Brian O'Neill. What are some of the things those guys do well that caught your eye that made you want them on this team? Well, hey, they're really good players, and they've had really good careers, and they all just you know, fell short of you know, reaching a, an NHL career, a consistent NHL career. And, but they've gone on and done very well in Europe. They're winners. They're guys that we know uh, can help our younger players uh, move forward and adapt quickly to what type of hockey we're going to see. So, you know, we feel very, very good about the older group that we have uh, as well as the younger group. We love the mix of the team. I guess the one guy that the casual hockey fan probably knows about is Matty Beneers, who was the second overall draft pick. It comes with a lot of pressure. You've had experience coaching two high draft picks here uh, with high expectations. A tournament's different. But what can you take from your time with uh, Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere to, to let Matty know not to put so much pressure on himself going into this tournament? Yeah, well, for Matty, it's a little bit different. You know, the NHL, you know, those two guys walked onto a team that was – a lot different than most first and second picks overall. Usually those teams are, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, at the bottom of the standings. And the hard part for Capo and for Laffey is that they walked onto a team with established top six forwards. It's going to be difficult for them to break that top six right out of the gate the way, norm, you know, usually that the first or second pick overall can. They're great players. They're going to be great players. But the circumstance is different here for the Berniers just because, uh, you know, because of the makeup of the tournament. And the fact that, you know, we've got, we're going to find out who our top six forwards are. We don't have anything set in stone. Your time in here in New York, it seemed like you always championship, you know, was a champion for the guys who may have been overlooked or had setbacks in their careers, guys like Colin Blackwell. You have a goalie in Strauss Mann who, after a tough freshman year, developed into one of the premier goalies in college hockey. He posted a 930 save percentage in each of the two seasons and was named the finalist for the Mike Richter Award. Uh, he's having a great year in Sweden after leaving Michigan. What can you tell us about his game? Well, he's very, very competitive. He's not big, but he competes. He's square to the puck. Um, you know, he plays his angles well. He doesn't waste energy or movements, and he's really put himself in a great position. You know, we feel good about all three goalies. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, – you know, a lot of competition in a short period of time to see who's going to be the number one goalie and, uh, you know, as who's going to be our top six forwards. And we have an idea of what we're going to look like, but uh, that, that could change in a hurry. Well, that's also interesting because 15 of the 25 players on the roster currently playing in college hockey. The school with the most players selected in USA was Minnesota with three. Michigan, Harvard, Boston College, and St. Cloud each have two. You have a few pair of forwards that come from the same team or line mates, like Matthew Nyes, who is a, a second-round pick of the Maple Leafs in 2021, um, and his golden gopher teammate, Ben Myers. Harvard's Nick uh, Brusesi and, and Sean Farrell. Kenny Agostino and Andy Mealy are teammates in the KHL. And Matty Berniers and, and Brendan Breeson are line mates at Michigan. With such a, a limited time, is, it, you know, is there added pressure to say, all right, let's, you know, those are eight, got eight combinations right there. That's four lines, two guys each from each college. Or is, do you have actual time to mix and match and, and see you know, who plays best with everybody? Yeah, I think we're certainly going to lean towards looking at that to start. But like I said, I mean, there's going to be, I'm not going to say the tryouts because we've got the team picked, but 
you know, we're going to, you know, practices are going to mean a lot to us because we're going to evaluate what we see in practice and the few five to six we're going to have to decide who's got chemistry and who doesn't. That's something we've got to really pay attention to. But it certainly makes sense to, you know, when we start to maybe lean towards playing guys that are familiar with each other. We mentioned how you had to switch gears quickly once the NHL was not sending players, but some of the players on your roster, Beneers, Faber, Sanderson, Breeson, have had a bit of a whirlwind as they were all on, all set to play in the World Juniors last month until that tournament was canceled. It, it's not a bad consolation prize when you don't get to play that, but you get a chance to represent your country in the Olympics. Have you gauged you know, what these players are feeling that now you know, didn't play in the World Juniors, but now are going to Beijing to represent the USA? Yeah, they're incredibly excited. I know uh, John Van Beesbrook, when he was up in Edmonton at Red Deer, uh, when the tournament got canceled, you know, I know we reached out to, you know, four of those guys to give them the good news. So it certainly made their flight a lot easier coming back from the World Juniors, uh, knowing that they uh, were going to be Olympians. So, uh, you know, those guys have had a lot of success internationally, and uh, we hope to add to that uh, to their international resume. You know, one player that was talked about as a possibility for this team, you know, as soon as we knew that the NHL players weren't were not going, was Bobby Ryan. And granted, um, it's not as big news as it was in 2014 when he was passed over by the U.S. Olympic hockey team despite a strong play and a great first half of that season. But he was on the last USA Olympic team to medal in 2010. How strong was his leadership and experience level weighed as opposed to, you know, he probably can't do what he did years back as 34-year-old now, and, and how tough of a decision was that to leave him off the roster? It wasn't easy. I mean, we went back and forth with our roster. The roster changed uh, quite a bit in the three weeks that we were meeting and watching and evaluating. and um, You know, it just came down to the fact that we were pretty adamant as, this, as we got to the end uh, as a group, and it was a collaborative effort for sure. I mean, it wasn't just one person. We all felt the same way about it is we wanted to take people that have been playing by the end of the day, by the end of the process. And that was the difference maker for a few guys. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy to do to leave him off the team. That's for sure. So, so lastly, we talked about you watching that 1980 team with Jack Capuano and, you know, you know me and I'm always looking for parallels and, and you, know, you take a look the 1980 team, Herb was the last guy cut from the 1960 Olympic team as a player. He comes back to coach a group of college kids, mostly from Massachusetts and Minnesota, 20 years after he was cut from a team to win the gold. You can't play in 88 games because of the blood disorder. You get cut from the 92 team. You return 30 years from being cut to coach a team. You see where I'm going here. Mostly college oh, kids from going. Massachusetts and Minnesota. Um, you know, you just got the Ranger part in reverse order from Herb. You know, he ended up coaching them after the Olympics. Um, yeah. You know, but in all seriousness, have, have you really thought about the parallels? And, you know, have you thought about what winning a gold medal, you know, at this Olympics would mean to the, the, the kids and you as uh, personally for you? Yeah, well, you got me feeling old is what you got me feeling after telling me it was 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, Mark. I haven't really, you know, you get the job and you're flattered, you're humbled, you're, you know, you're coaching the U.S. Olympic team, and then quickly you turn gears towards, we got to put a team together. we got to get prepared as a staff. So, you know, there's been a lot of that for sure. But every time we talk to the players and we talk as a staff, we're getting better about our team, 
know, I know people are talking about how young we are and, you know, it's going to be an uphill climb and how you're going to be able to get become a team in a short period of time. Well, that's life. And nobody cares, you know, about the circumstances. The only thing that matters is how you do in the tournament. And, you know, there's an awful lot of optimism. We feel really good about the team we put together and our chances of, uh, of winning a gold medal. So I think the flight is 18 hours. So I'm trying to calculate. You could probably watch Miracle like seven times during the <laughs> flight. Uh, it's interesting that I love the fact that Matty Bernier said that he uh, basically uh, every year at school would write, you know, that it was his favorite movie. You know, yeah. So, Coach, thanks so much for your time tonight. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I said the last time when we closed the interview, I look forward to having you on the show again when you get a job coaching in the NHL. I'm going to amend that a little bit. I look forward to talking to you again You know, when you come back with a gold medal. I love it. I love it. I'll, you'll, I would absolutely look forward to doing that, Mark. All right. Miss you, Coach, for sure. All right. Always thanks, great buddy. talking to you. U.S. Olympic hockey head coach David Quinn.